Why did your school not teach you the No Skin On song? Because my school was normal. It went, Have you seen the ghost of John? Long white bones with his skin all gone. Ooh, poor John. Wouldn't it be chilly with no skin on? Now that I think about it, that's a pretty morbid song to teach a bunch of little children. Yeah, also, it wouldn't be chilly with no skin on because all your nerves would be gone. What if it was just bones and nerves? That would be... Have you seen the ghost of John? Long white bones wrapped in all his nerves. Oh, exposed nerves. That's a really creepy thing to sing to kids. But you weren't allowed to do Halloween in school, though. What? Your school didn't do Halloween. Which one? Like like your elementary school. Which one? One of them. I remember going up to one of your teachers. Well, you didn't do you didn't do Halloween at a uh, at uh what was your first your first elementary school was Hale, right? Technically my first elementary school was Bancroft. Well, yes, but let's skip to Hale. Okay. Uh Hale definitely didn't do it ha- Halloween. Which is weird because it was just a bunch of white Christian kids. But Bancroft also didn't. Mm-hmm. do halloween i remember asking one of your teachers near halloween i was like so should willow come in costume like on halloween are you doing like a costume parade and she goes oh no 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 she's like we aren't even allowed to say halloween in front of our students and i was like oh 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 okay then and i was very embarrassed but then she and another teacher who was saying there rolled their eyes <laughs> they're like we have to say roll their eyes fall festival stupid stupid it's stupid halloween's not even a religious celebration not anymore i mean it's you know a conglomeration of several different ideas but it's certainly not it's certainly secular yeah, nows the, days the the act of halloween it might be it might be based in religious stuff yeah but for many years and certainly since i've been alive it has never been a religious holiday Right. I mean, and there's certainly people out there who are trying to reclaim it as some kind of religious holiday. Uh, like like people who are like, I I celebrate Samhain or I celebrate, you know, like I'm a neo-pagan or I'm a witch and I, I want to take it back to its actual roots. And that's fine. But that's not what we're talking about when we want kids to dress up like the kooky monster. Also, that's not Halloween. That's different. Yes, but yeah, it's true. Uh, I'm trying to do the same thing with Christmas. I'm mm-hmm. trying to make it just absolutely... I just, I wish people would just acknowledge that. We should come up with a new name for religious Christmas. Religious. Christ mass. Yeah, take it back to its roots. Like it's actual like, like vocabulary roots. Yeah. Christ's mass. Why don't you guys have Christ's mass over there? We will have Christmas over here with our tchotchkes and our baubles. And your tiny Santa heads. My tiny Santa heads and my little Santa men that I put on top of the tree. As well as all of the other decorations for Hanukkah. Oh boy, I've got to get some new decos this year. I've got to get some new ones. Those Santa heads are looking a little ratty. (laughs) I should get more Santa heads. They sell them at the dollar. Oh, I think all of our dollar stores were burned down. Oh, 2020. (laughs) Where am I going to get my Santa heads? You could probably find them on like Amazon. (laughs) (laughs) that's true so i'm gonna read a quote to you and i want you to say when i read it i want you to say same because i know you're going to anyway okay quote i wrote of neuroses and fear and i think all my books laid end to end would be one long documentation of anxiety (laughs) a mood 
<laughs> That's from Shirley Jackson. That is a Shirley Jackson quote. The the queen of 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 anxieties and neuroses and fear in in literature. Uh, you cannot see this, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, and others, but Willow is simply just pointing a finger at herself. Uh, that's a title I hope one day to possess as a writer. I'll steal it. The queen of neuroses and fear. Yeah. Anxiety and neuroses and fear. (laughs) I think you're going to have to work pretty hard to beat, uh, Shirley Jackson for that title. And by the way, I'm Phil. And I'm Willow. And it's It's Del Del Toro Toro time. time. No, you you didn't say it. It's Del Toro time! Now we can play the music. Yeah, so we've discussed Shirley Jackson before. Yee! Lightly. For a house on the hill house. (laughs) House on the hill house. (laughs) The haunting of the hill house from hell. Yeah, there we go. That one that Um, we can't get the name of, right? Haunting of Hill House. Not to be confused with uh, Hell House or The Legend of Hell House. Or the Netflix show, The Haunting of Hill House. Or The Haunting of Bly Manor, which is also coming out. Uh, or that weird uh, turn of the screw movie that did that come out and then disappear? The Turning? The one oh, with the boy yeah. from from uh, from Stranger Things? I was going to watch that, but then did everything. Did it come out? I don't know. Maybe. It must have. Let me All check. I remember is the trailer had a uh, a spider crawling out of his mouth, and I was like, that didn't happen in the book. And also, um, the boy, yeah. Did it come out? I guess it yes, came out because it did. the first video I see is the turning, ending explained. The turning, really crazy scene. So, it came yeah, out, I guess it came out. Oh, it must have come out like before lockdown and everything. I, yeah, it must have come out. Yeah, it says February. Well, no, it looks... Did it... Man, I don't know. I don't care. Lockdown, I'm never going to watch it. Lockdown didn't start until March. spring yeah yeah also it has an 11 percent on rotten tomatoes <laughs> yeah it's not supposed to be very good from what i uh, uh from, granted yeah. i don't listen to rotten tomatoes uh because their review system is bullshit oh do sorry to, do you listen to killer tomatoes i don't listen to anything except for my own killer tomatoes. intuition the uh the, the great thing about the turn so they're doing the haunting of bly manor on netflix which is based on the turn of the screw sort of and uh they said in their the trailer looks neat it looks like netflix horror which has a certain aesthetic but it, they said the difference with this one from the haunting of hill house adaptation is that in this one we're, we're just going to make the ghosts are finally we're just going to make them explicit like these are ghosts and i'm like that's the opposite of the turn of the screw like the turn of the screw is about how you're not really sure if they are ghosts see i immediately don't trust rotten tomatoes because that grudge movie i hate has a 20 percent. so and literally <laughs> nothing can be worse than that therefore it's wrong you know that 20% is pretty bad. Yeah, it should have a 0% okay. or a 2%. You really hate that Grudge movie. It's terrible. I, think I would do a minute-by-minute podcast about that Grudge movie just to have you on as my like partner. and just We should do a minute-by-minute breakdown of the Grudge movie that you hate so much. It would be the most boring, unlistened-to podcast. I think it would be hilarious. Even worse than this one. I'm going to network this. Yeah. You yeah. should do it. Talk talk to some friends and say, you guys want to do a minute-by-minute minute breakdown of The Grudge? And they're like, oh, the classic horror film, The Grudge? And you're like, no, no. They're like, oh, the, the, the sort of bad remake? And you're like, no, no, the recent Grudge. And they'll be like, that, that came out? And you'll be like, I saw it in the theater with my mama. It's bad. 
<laughs> we talked about the grudge on the last episode. So let's talk about what we're talking about. <laughs> this is the most people have talked about that grudge remake in the history of film podcasting, by the way. I Just us. hate that movie so much. I spent I an entire therapy session talking about it. I know you do. You talked about you talked about that too. <laughs> so today we are not talking about the grudge anymore. Uh, what are we talking about, Willow? The Summer People by Shirley Jackson. Shirley, you must be Jackson. Uh, what? Sorry, I've, I've been waiting to say that for like a week. So, uh, uh, just a little, a little background on Shirley Jackson. What's interesting is Shirley Jackson's biography plays in so much into her writing, except for this story. It's, it's, it's not that it's irrelevant. It's just that, uh. This is not one of her typical stories, but just so people know, I don't remember if we covered it this much. Uh, Shirley Jackson was born in San Francisco in 1916 to a pretty well-off family. Her parents were pretty elite. Her mother was uh, horrifically abusive to her, psychologically. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shirley Jackson was, she was very high strung. She was very anxious. Her write, she, would, she used to write when she was young just to escape from her anxieties. Uh, her monstrously abusive mother was constantly berating her about her looks, about her lack of talent, about her weight. And so finally, Shirley Jackson fled the house to college. Uh, she ran all the way to Syracuse University where she met Stanley Edgar Hyman, who was entranced by Shirley's writing, who proceeded to uh, to court her, marry her, and then pick up with the psychological abuse right where her mother left off. However, don't think that Shirley Jackson's mother stopped abusing her just because she left. No, her mother would write her letters, uh, criticizing her appearance, her anxiety, and her writing to her. So she never actually managed to escape the abuse. Why did she read the letters? Uh, because they were from her mother, I guess, and they added fuel to her for her fire, her intense hatred of of most of humanity. Her husband forced her into into horrific, uh, not horrific. I mean, horrific for her, but uh, her, made her made her comply with his infidelities by saying they were in an open marriage, even though she didn't want to be, but he wanted to be. Uh, he resented the fact that she was a successful writer. He controlled all of her all of her writing all of her like her earnings he wouldn't let her have access to her own money so she wrote even more stories about uh women who were psychologically uh abused who were longing to escape you see this in a lot of her in a lot of her popular writings and she eventually decided uh she would she would journal and for two years she didn't uh, wasn't able to write fiction. She was only journaling because she developed severe agoraphobia. Uh, in the end of her life, near the end of her life, she was trying to break away from her writing styles and start writing comedies and more lighthearted fare. Unfortunately, she died of heart failure at the age of 48 in the, her sleep and was never able to see the rebuilding of her of her uh, career. Uh, as recently as a few years ago, collections of her writings were being put out that were considered by the elite literati to be worthless because people still consider Shirley Jackson in some circles to not be a very good writer because she wrote horror stories. Um even though I think anyone with any sense of anything would say that Shirley Jackson is actually the one. elite literature people have no taste. Yes. Uh, also, they just going to say it. They really enjoy reading a bunch of really old white men <laughs> yes. stories. That's it. 
Shirley Jackson uh, uh, really made a name for herself with The Lottery and Haunting of Hill House, but she wrote many, 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 many more stories, not just horror, but also like dark commentaries on, on domestic life, hilarious commentaries on domestic life. But she never got the recognition she deserved in life, and it's only been in recent years that her her literary status has been reevaluated so that people are like, no, 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 she deserves to go down as one of the great American uh, just fiction writers. She's just yeah. great. I love we read a bunch of her stories in my freshman year of high school. Yeah? Yeah. And uh, what did you think? Good. <laughs> you get an A for participation. <laughs> ah. Um, so had you read The Summer People before? No. We read the lottery and a couple other ones that I can't remember off the top of my head. I only remember yeah, the sure. lottery because we had I had to reread it like three times with different <laughs> English teachers. The lottery was super controversial, and uh, when it came out, and Shirley Jackson actually commented on that about how like she's like, "What do people think that like she was going to win the lottery and like end up with like a new sewing machine or something? Like, did they think that was the ending of the story? She was actually just going to win the lottery?" <laughs> um, Yes, classic, classic. There was a classic Simpsons episode where Springfield gets a lottery and copies of the lottery start like selling out from the bookstore. <laughs> and, and Lisa Simpson's like, oh, God. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, the summer people. This is this was included. What is uh, what is our. Oh, this is the Dark Descent, by the way. We're reading. Oh, <laughs> we're reading stories from the Dark Descent. Um, what you is know, our? I got what, scared because I thought I hadn't read this yet. Oh. <laughs> I actually read it the day of our last recording. Uh, what is our What does our fine editor uh, David Hartwell say about about this particular story? The Summer People is another of Jackson's house stories. Mister and Missus Allison have broken a rule and will be punished. The tale is an interesting comparison to Lucy Clifford's The New Mother. Here, however, the irony is overt, since we have we have the form of the moral tale without the morality at all. Hmm. Uh, this story, I had never read this story and I found this story to be deeply unsettling Yeah, uh, and creepy. Uh, I had to read it a couple of times because I was like, I did I miss? Nope. It's as creepy as I thought it was. Like I thought maybe I was like over, over reading it. <laughs> uh, turns out I wasn't. Truly a, a story un- about it, social anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and social classes mm-hmm. and broken social contracts um just so this is so the main characters of this story the allisons uh janet allison and robert allison what do you think of these people i don't like them yeah (laughs) what kind of people are they they're they're entitled yeah a little bit just a little (laughs) no no like I, i i feel like mrs allison could go full karen at any moment yes I think she does go full Karen, but I think she goes like, what year was this? What year is this story? Uh, is it saying, does Hartwell tell us? No. It, it doesn't say? No. Uh, One sec. Let me check the, uh, the. there's a thing that has a thing. Um, 1950. 1950. Uh, this might be the 1950s East Coast equivalent of of going full Karen. Uh, she's not going to have a meltdown in the store. Mm-hmm. Like she's not going to start screaming at people. She's going to do just the opposite, which is threaten to move in. <laughs> I think that like uh, the, the, the Karen meltdowns are at least as often as they're happening now, a relatively new thing. I think yes. they used to oh, just yes. be really passive aggressive. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, no, I agree. This was, yeah, this was first published in 1950 in the magazine Charm. I actually looked up to see what was Charm magazine, and it was basically a woman's magazine mm-hmm. about, like, think, like, like uh, Better Homes and Gardens, like what was considered a woman's magazine at the time. Uh, it's been published a bazillion times in other places. But, uh, uh, yeah, so it's about these this couple... Uh, Janet and Robert Allison, who are very well off. Mm-hmm. They're from New York. And w- every summer they come and they stay at a little country cottage on a hill in a, in a little like a tourist community. Mm-hmm. And then every year, when do they leave? They leave September. Yep, they leave on Labor Day. Yep. And what did they decide to do this year, though? Not leave. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is a story of two people who are like, it's so beautiful here. What? What's pulling us back to New York? We don't have jobs to get back to. We're independently wealthy. Let's just stick around after Labor Day in this little tourist town and uh, see how beautiful it stays for the rest of the fall, or at least for the beginning of the fall. <laughs> and uh, what do the people in the town think about this idea? It's a t- bad idea. Terrible. <laughs> Go away. But how do they express that concern? They just keep saying, oh. No one's ever stayed in the summer house after September or after yeah. Labor Day. Yeah, it's you were talking about passive aggression, and it's very like, I don't know how to describe it. It's not so much passive aggressive as like, we're not going to come out, though, and tell you not to do it because that's not our place. Mm-hmm. But we're going to strongly imply it's a bad idea for you to stay here after Labor Day. But it's more like, oh. Oh, no one's ever stayed here after Labor Day before. Hmm, interesting. No one's ever stayed here after Labor Day. You're like, yeah, get the picture, Janet. I don't even want to... I don't like leaving my house for more than like two weeks. (laughs) Why would I want to go to a summer cottage that has no electricity Mm -hmm. or anything else? I think it's that idea of like, we have everything. Isn't it quaint that we are experiencing having less? Like, it's that obnoxious idea that that living in borderline, what many people would consider borderline poverty, is charming. Like, we have the luxury of roughing it, so we're going to do that for a summer. And, and we know that we can just return to our money whenever we want to. Uh, I know that there's people who legitimately love camping in rustic areas. I this get it. This isn't camping. A, it's a thing. I, I get it though. I get that people love like the idea. That's a that's a thing. Mm-hmm. But there is like a there is a privilege to that of like, ooh, isn't it cool to like get away from the trappings of modern society? And I'm like, there's people who get have to live away from the trappings of modern society because they don't have access to it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just weird. I think it's weird to romanticize that. I really do. I think that that's my whole problem with the cottagecore, move, cottagecore movement. Uh-huh. Uh, that you can only access it if you have the the means to access it? Yeah. It's, it's like, it weirds me out a lot. Because I'm like, yes, this is a very cute little, like, Instagram theme. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're sort of romanticizing this idea of... It's just weird to me. I think that uh, I think that especially the really popular cottagecore uh, stuff right now is very not what it's supposed to be. Uh, it's been very whitewashed, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, it it's starting to follow that like submissive woman trend, mm. 
Mm, like romanticizing like old values. Quote, yeah. Unquote. I'm making finger quotes. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird is what it is. Uh, I think that it was really supposed to be about women choosing what they want to do. Like, yes, if you want to be a stay at home spouse, question mm-hmm. mark, uh, and like bake bread and stuff, you should be allowed to do that. But do it because you want to. Right. Not for not for clout. Yeah. Not <laughs> not because you want to look cute in your little apron baking bread with bugs flying all over your house. Or even if you even if you do want to do it because you think you look cute doing it, you have to understand that you're only able to do that because you have the you have an out. Mm-hmm. It's not something that it's not a lifestyle that you are that you are living out of necessity. Mm-hmm. It's a lifestyle that you are choosing to live for fashion. And yeah. that's a different thing. Um, and that's kind of what they're doing. Uh, mm-hmm. That's kind of what the Allisons are doing because even though they have no electricity, they have to pump their own water. They have to use an outhouse. Uh, they have to poop in a box outside. Uh, they still get their groceries delivered to them. They still get their oil delivered to them. They still get their eggs. They still get their butter. Like all that stuff gets, it's brought up to them. They can't, they're not, they're not roughing it by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they have full access. They, they are, they are pampered by the system that the townspeople have set up for them for the summer. Yeah. As it becomes, starts becoming very, very clear. Uh, they also, oh, no, go ahead. Because tourist towns are set up for the summer. Mm-hmm. Because that's the longest amount of time that people don't have. That's just like, that's the break of the year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. School's not happening. Uh, teachers don't have to work. At least when they right, do work, right. it's it's for a different job. The system only works because it's summer. Yes. After summer, people have to get back to doing what they do. Right. Uh, and they, they keep trying to make that clear to the Allisons. Like the townspeople in their own small way are trying to say like there's nothing going on in this town or there's nothing you want to be a part of going on in this town after labor day Mm -hmm. uh the sort of focus is mr babcock who's the grocer Mm -hmm. uh who's who they kind of rely on for all of their food um but they also have a very low opinion of the people in the town yeah. Like they're very condescending about them to each other in a in a light heart, like in a way that it's they very don't sit there. Midwestern. It's very Midwestern. Yeah. Like they, they go to the grocer. They seem to like the guy, but then they're like, oh, oh, oh. like they call him. How do they how do they phrase it? They say he's like he's like Daniel Webster uh, in that he looks like Daniel Webster. But he's not smart like Daniel Webster. And then they talk about inbreeding and how, like, you know, like, these Yankees used to be pretty pretty hardy people. But, you know, they inbreed a lot. So that's what we're seeing the product of. They're not too bright is, is this sort of acknowledged superiority they have. Like, they're from the city. They're smarter than these people. But they're also charmed by them. And they want to be around to see how pretty the lake is after Labor Day. Gosh darn New Yorkers, man. Yeah, city people. City people. No offense, um, Aunt Meryl. <laughs> right. We know city people. We're related We're, to them. We are We are also city people. Yes, of course. Of course. I do not like to go to the rustic cabins in the woods, though. So Neither do I. I'm, that's why I, I'm better than everyone. <laughs> I am scared of small towns because I'm worried I'll get murdered. Yes. I am worried I'll get murdered just because I deserve it, probably. Um <laughs> 
You don't deserve to get murdered. Says you. So uh, so they want to stay on at the lake, and everyone's like, ha-ha, <laughs> no one's ever stayed here after Labor Day. So but they, they insist on it, and they decide to just, like, they, so they go and they tell everyone in town, we're staying after Labor Day, we're staying after Labor Day, we're staying after Labor Day. And and everyone's like, All right, that's that's weird, okay. And then this is when we start learning that, well, you're not going to, like, the, the kerosene delivery guy is like, oh, I don't deliver after Labor Day. I don't even have enough oil to deliver to you, and I won't get any more oil until the winter anyway. So, uh, all right. And then they find out that the mail's not going to come regularly. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not going to get their groceries because the delivery boy goes back to school, and the person who delivers the eggs and the butter, the dairy person, goes away. Dairy, and- my favorite eggs. I mean... Eggs, dairy my favorite, are my favorite eggs. <laughs> Dairy are my favorite eggs. When the cows, when you when you squeeze the udder and an egg blurps out. That's a really gross image. That's that's my favorite dairy. <laughs> I was just having this discussion that we, we we include eggs with dairy, and I think it's just because chickens come out of cows. What? That's how it works. A cow squats on its nest, and a chicken comes out, and that's why we associate eggs with milk. You're completely correct. I don't know why I questioned you. I'm sorry. Continue. I think, do we consider eggs, like, do we, because do, I know people think, when you think dairy, people, like a dairy farm, we usually include eggs with that. Is it because eggs are white? Is we is that why I've we're like- I've never included eggs in my dairy thoughts, so I don't know where you're coming from. <laughs> I've never included eggs in my dairy thoughts, is what I'm going to put on your gravestone <laughs> after I'm murdered. <laughs> I'm going to be murdered, and then you'll die one day, and my ghost will scratch into your gravestone. I've never included eggs in my dairy thoughts. <laughs> It'll just say, Willa Petrasky never included eggs in her dairy thoughts. Yep. And they'll say, looks like this was scratched in via bones, the bones of a skeleton with no skin on. Just nerves. <laughs> <laughs> that would have hurt if you just had your nerves and you just... <laughs> They're like, what's that screaming skeleton doing? He's scratching... Something into that headstone with his finger bones. Why are you screaming? It hurts with no skin on. <laughs> Dairy thoughts. Dairy thoughts. You gotta drink that 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 milk so you can get strong bones. What is a milk but just egg juice? <laughs> what were we talking about? I don't know. Um they're having trouble making phone calls because things are things are getting things start getting weird. You start getting the sense that like the town isn't just shutting down after Labor Day. The town is aggressively shutting down after mm-hmm. Labor Day. Like with the intention of perhaps depriving them of things they might need to survive. Mm-hmm. Um it gets so bad that they start like wondering why their kids haven't written to them. They have some kids who usually write to them every week. Uh they decide that they need to drive into town to get to get oil, to get food, and then the car won't start. Yep. Uh, and that's unsettling. Uh, Robert's like, huh, the car didn't start. And so they try to call the gas station or the, the repair shop, and they can't reach anyone. Mm-hmm. And then storm clouds start showing up on the horizon. And then their son, a letter from their son arrives, and that's when things get really creepy. What happens? It doesn't sound like him. But it does? Like, mm-hmm. that's what's so, that's my favorite creepy part is, how do they describe, it's like the son's, the son's letter arrives and they don't think it's actually from him, even though there's really nothing in the letter that they can pinpoint 
that sounds wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, where is it? Funny, Mr. Allison commented. It doesn't sound like Jerry, Mrs. Allison said in a small voice. He never wrote anything like, she stopped. Like what, Mr. Allison demanded. Never wrote anything like what? Mrs. Allison turned the letter over, frowning. It was impossible to find any sentence, any word even, that did not sound like Jerry's regular letters. Perhaps it was only that the letter was so late, or the unusual number of dirty fingerprints on the envelope. The unusual number of dirty fingerprints on the envelope. What's that about? I was assuming either someone stole their mail. Uh Uh-huh. Or demons. Or demons. Yeah, so you get this idea that, like, wait, did someone else write this letter? Why are there fingerprints all over it? Did it just get lost? Like, is that why it was late? It's never really made 100% clear what's going on. But yeah, the letter is the letter is basically the son being like, oh, I heard you guys are staying on. Good. Stay on. Just stay up there as long as you want. And we're like, what? What? Okay. Um, and this is around the time when the phone dies mm-hmm. completely. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's doubly unsettling <laughs> uh, because there's no reason for the phone to die. Uh, and at one point, Robert is basically like, the car what didn't just stop working mm-hmm. the car was like sabotaged basically yep. or he doesn't say sabotaged he says like uh yeah the car has been tampered with you know even i could see that and mrs allison says i suppose the phone wires were cut and he says i imagine so um he also notices that even though they were told that the eggs and milk delivery people the uh the halls mm-hmm. had gone upstate their lights are on in their house. Like he notices that the lights in their house are on. So he's just like, okay, okay. And so they have no way of getting food. They have no way of getting heating oil. They have no way of getting milk or eggs. They can't contact the outside world. Their phone lines have been cut. Their car has been tampered with. A storm is blowing in. And uh, and what then what happens? Sort of ends. Yeah. Uh, this terrible, terrible storm blows in. Uh, they hold hands. The radio di- that's been playing music dies, and they're just left waiting in their cottage. Uh, and yeah, and that's and that's the creepy end of this story. So, what was this story trying to say? Don't impose on other people. <laughs> what do you think happened to them at the end? Anything? Also, every small town hates you. And it's just waiting for you to <laughs> Just waiting for you to die. Please die. This story is about so many things. And mm-hmm. one of the things is about, like, it's about, like, the, 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 the upper class, the upper class's dismissal of the working class and the weird resentments, or not even the weird, the resentment of the working class toward the, the elite class and how... There is this simmering rage or distrust that is only going to take the smallest violation of the t- the shaky contract of civility between the two before things just boil over and erupt. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a slow eruption. Because the halls also are tourists, right? Yeah, like they, the halls live there part of the time as well but they're more a part of the of the community. i think it's i think it's because the halls contribute to the town yeah uh like they have chickens and dairy right uh and yeah they're only there for like half the year but 
Not even but half the year. But they're like the people who came into the town and... Well, did they move there or did the Halls live there and become people who only live there half the time? Like, are they originally from there? Do they say? I don't think they're originally from there. They can see the lights in his house in the early evening before the Halls went to bed. They usually leave Labor Day, Mr. Hall said. Uh, yeah, Mr. Hall lived three miles away. He supplied the Allisons with butter and eggs. Wait, they usually um, leave Labor Day? Mr. Hall said they're talking to Mr. Hall. Mm-hmm. Uh I guess Labor Day is when they usually leave. Mr. Hall, the Allison's nearest neighbor, told them later in front of Mr. Babcock's store where the Allison's were getting their car to go home. Surprised you're staying on. It seemed a shame to go on, Mrs. Allison said. Mr. Hall lived three miles away. He supplied the Allison's with butter and eggs, and occasionally from the top of their hill, the Allison's could see the lights in his house in the early evening before the Halls went to bed. They usually leave Labor Day, Mr. Hall said, talking about, like, people who mm-hmm. visit in the summer. Um... It's also important to note that they live on top of a hill. And do you remember when we watched the movie High and Low, the Kurosawa film Mm -hmm. about the very rich people and the guy's son goes missing? Mm -hmm. There is that distinction of like the Allisons live, even though they're visitors, they still live at the top of the hill and look Mm -hmm. down on everyone. Um, So there's a strong implication at the end of this that the townspeople are just going to kill the Allisons. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do away with them. Uh, Yeah, because if they wanted them to leave, they wouldn't have tampered with the car. Right. Uh, why? Yeah, why not just scare them away? Because it's not how it works. What? How not what works? It's not how that works. You break the rules of the small town, you die. Yeah, Have you ever? the rules? Yeah. The rules are you leave after Labor Day. You leave after Labor Day. Um, and it's, and it's, I think it's funny just because it's taken to the extreme. It's, if someone did this in real life, it would just be very uncomfortable for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what Shirley Jackson has done is shown like, there is a social contract, and if you bust it, you are guilty of the worst crime. Yeah, because I don't think anyone, at least any sensible person in real life, would do that. Right. I think that we are more beholden to social rules than we like to think we are. Yeah. Because there are some unconscious things that we do. We understand that we leave the the summer house after Labor Day, because that's just what you have to do. Right, and and... It also is a way of illustrating that the summer, that the residents in this area are just barely tolerating you. Mm -hmm. Like you leaving is a great relief to them Mm -hmm. because then they can finally live as themselves. And by staying on, you you are adding to a tension that is only increasing exponentially for every second longer than you're for every second you stay longer than you're supposed to Mm -hmm. uh yeah i think social contracts are fascinating and sometimes they are beneficial and sometimes they are destructive because a lot of social contracts are understandings between privileged people Mm -hmm. to to continue the oppression of underprivileged people but to me halloween as we were discussing at the beginning of the show is one of the great social contracts it's Mm -hmm. this understanding that kids can go out and get candy from strangers and they are supposed to be accepted and safe no matter who they are or where they are luckily you have the option to opt out of of it yes uh but also like when someone violates that social contract by doing something cruel to a child on halloween it's a it's acknowledged as like 
a terrible violation mm-hmm. because that's a social contract. We've all agreed that this is a safe a safe thing for kids to do. And when someone violates that, it's just the it's a horrific betrayal of that contract. And yeah. I think the Allisons have horrifically betrayed that contract. They have they have you leave after Labor Day, and if you don't, we will kill you. <laughs> yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I'd do it. Uh, no, I wouldn't. In case police are listening, I would not do it. You would not kill the Allisons? No. <laughs> well, I think this was a delightfully creepy story. Yes. Um, like, I was actually, like, I was creeped out and upset by it at the end. And I was and I was very happy that I was. <laughs> yeah, it's not like a typical spook no, it's not. And I think we've we've experienced quite a few of those so far in these stories. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of like a cross between like, uh, uh, what was that story we read about the bad children? The new um, mother. The new mother. It kind of had that feeling of the new mother, that kind of creepy weirdness, and also the creepy weirdness of like, of like the reach or something. Just that like, ugh, there's something weird going on. Small towns scare me. Small towns are scary. Uh, so yeah. What is, what is our next story going to be? The Whimper of Whipped Dogs by Keith Ellison. By Keith Ellison? I don't know. What's his name? It was not by Keith Ellison. (laughs) What's his name? Harlan Ellison. Okay. (laughs) Keith Ellison. It is not by the Attorney General of Minnesota. Yeah, that's what that guy is. It's instead by Harlan Ellison, who, uh, is a very, very, very famous yeah. writer of of science fiction, uh, mostly known for his science fiction, uh, but also but also wrote. Um, but science also fiction is inherently by, scary. Uh, also d- described by Robert Block as the only living organism I know whose natural habitat is hot water. <laughs> Harlan Ellison. That's a really uh, a weird good, thing to say. A very good writer. A very good writer. A very controversial man. Uh, and I have never, I may have this short story in like multiple collections lying around the house, but uh, it is a short story I can say I have never, ever read. Why? Why what? Why haven't you read it? Because I never got around to it. Uh, the Whimper of Whipped Dogs. And I'll tell you right now, that sounds like a delightful title. I'm so excited to read this story, everyone. That sounds like a delightful title. And uh, I am sure that I am sure it's from an era. Okay, we'll talk about this when we get to it. It's from an era of, of short story writing when all short stories had really pretentious titles. So uh, <laughs> we'll see what it actually has. They all had stories like, Be whence the quaffed gentleman strode against the, the moonlight setting. And you're like, it's just a story about like an ice cream man who kills children. But like it always has like... <laughs> A very, a very, a very uh, high. And Harlan Ellison was kind of the, the the leader of those kind of stories. So, uh, so he's the he's the fallout boy of short story sto- titles. I will go with that. The fallout boy of short story titles. The one of the top titles of their songs is "I slept with someone in Fallout Boy, and all I got was a stupid song written about me." <laughs> well, let's talk more about Fallout Boy in our next episode, shall we? Yeah, tell that to Mick. He just gonna- made my list of things to do today. Sorry, I'm looking at Fall Out Boy titles. <laughs> well, we'll be back with more Fall Out Boy titles, more Harlan Ellison, and more Spooky Dukes when we continue The Dark Descent. Uh, next episode, I am Phil. And I'm Willow. And we'll see you when... It's Del Toro time. time.
Do you think you're going to wear your skin for the next episode?